So, you heard the text read. Will a man rob God? I still remember when I first read that Scripture. I was sitting under a pecan tree at 3323 North Cypress in North Little Rock, Arkansas. I was 28 years old. And I had just been converted. I think I've told you this. I'd been in church all my life. My parents raised me in the church. I was baptized at 8, but I wasn't truly born again. I wasn't converted until, until 28. And when the Lord saved me, at 28, I just had this voracious appetite for God's Word. And I would come home from work, and if it was you know, pretty in the evenings, uh, spend some time with the wife and the kids, and, and then I would go and sit under this pecan tree, and I would just read God's Word. And uh, it, would just, it was just filling me up, um, and it, I could not get enough. It was an awesome, awesome thing. I would sit there and just drink up His Word, and it was like He was personally tutoring me, which of course he was, but I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit at that time. Uh, I was uh, a new Christian. I didn't really understand about that. And as I sat under that tree and I, I was reading God's Word, lightning would strike me. You know, spiritual lightning would strike. It would strike and it was, I was just getting blown away and I was, I was constantly full of, of awe and wonder and joy at the revelations of God to my soul I was read, as I was reading His Word. And as I hit Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, there was deep conviction. Because yes, I was robbing God. Again, I'd been in church all my life, but I was a God robber. I was merely a church member. I was a cultural Christian. I was doing religion on Sunday. It didn't really change my life. It didn't move my heart. I didn't really love God. I just showed up because it was expected. My parents taught me to show up. It's what we did in my culture. You go to church, right? That's what you do. And uh, so I was caught up in that. And of course, I knew, being raised in the church, that church members are supposed to give money. I knew this. You're supposed to give money to God. But I hated it. I didn't want to give money to God. But you could not escape the offering plate. It would always come down the pew. They would always pass the plate, right? Maybe this is one reason we don't pass the plate. Uh, because I have scar tissue about this. But um, I want people, if people want to give, I want them to give. I don't want them to give because they want to be seen giving, or they feel pressure to give, or they think they ought to. Or because somebody down there gave, oh, I guess I better give. No, no, no. If you don't want to give to God, don't give to God. Just don't give to God. If you don't want to, don't do it. <laughs> that might be a good idea. But you know, the, the thing about ICM, people, find, people who want to give, they, they figure out how to give. You know, and, and, and they do. But man, I hated when the offering plate would come down the pew. I hated it. And I would, you know, pull out my billfold and I would, I would strategically have only a few bucks in my billfold. And I would strategically pull it out and I would fold it up so nobody could see how much I was not giving to God. And I would throw it in the offering plate. And I did, my, I did my religious performance for that Sunday. So I knew Christians were supposed to give. I just didn't like it. But as I sat under that pecan tree that summer evening back in 83, it changed for me. And when I realized that I was robbing God and that He said it in such a stark way, such... Uh, uh, yeah, I guess the, the word is stark. 
and so strong. Will a man rob God? I knew I was. But He was changing me. God was changing me. Jeremiah 24, He was giving me a heart to know Him. A heart to, to of course, to, to not only know God, but to love God. If you know God, you love God. If you don't love God, it's because you don't know God. But He was teaching me so much. And I was sitting there in my backyard under that pecan tree, and I crashed into Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? Of course he will. Of course a man will rob God. Most men do rob God. Even those who call themselves Christians rob God. And I knew I was one. I knew that I was guilty. I was the man. I was the man. But I was afraid of the implications. I, I had a stay-at-home wife. I had two children. As many of you have heard me say this before. I had a dog, a cat, and two finches. And I had a big mortgage. How could I ever really be a tither? How could I you know, ever give 10% of my gross income? How could I do that? How could that ever work? I was just scared to death of the implications, but you know, that's when you know you're getting close to obedience. <laughs> you know, when, you're, when you start to get afraid, when you start to get a little concerned, you, you, you know that you're, you're getting close to, to obedience and, and actually doing what the, God, uh, what the Lord would have you to do. One reason I love the Bible so much, I, I read in verse 8 that I had robbed God, that I'd been robbing God all my life. Two verses later I read, Hey, Jim, test me in this and see if I will not bless you if you will obey me. Don't you love it? You read the Bible. You get conviction. I'm a God robber. Two verses later, Jim, I promise. I promise to bless you. Will you test me in this? I love the Bible, right? Conviction. Promise. I love it. I just love it. There it was. Malachi 3.10 Bring in the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house and test me now. This is the only place where God says this. This is the only place in the Bible where God says this. There's no other place where He says this. He says, test me now in, in this says the Lord of hosts and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing uh, on you until it overflows. This is the promise of God. Hey, if you, if you don't want to you know, give, don't give. I've always told people this. Just don't give. You lose. God doesn't lose. God will get His work done without you. <laughs> if you want to hang on to your money, hang on to your money. God will get His work done. But beloved, there's a great promise here. There's so many promises. That's why I preach on this at least once a year. You need to know what God says. You need to be aware of His promises. In the book that we give away here, The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn, Randy Alcorn says, don't ask and don't tell does not work when it comes to giving. He talks about how, you know, many churches, it's kind of a secret and, and you know, I won't tell you how much I'm not giving if you won't tell me how much you're not giving. Um, but he says, you know, we understand that we're, we're, we're not to perform for men. We get that. But he says, you know, there is a right time and a right place to, to give testimony about, about being givers, about being a, a giving warrior. There was some uh, research done in the U.S., a guy, an American social researcher and pollster, his name is George Barna, and he did some research on uh, people who called themselves Christians, and this is what he found out about giving. 
only 7%, this is, this is America, only 7% gave at least a tithe to the church. 7% of everyone who says they're a Christian, only 7% gave a tithe to the church. <laughs> so we got 93%, bam! Will a man rob God? Of course a man will rob God. Of course. This is, a, this is what the Lord is saying to us. The amount of gross income given to the church averaged a paltry 3.8%. And I don't mean to impugn you guys. This is an American statistic, so I don't want to impugn uh, all you internationals here. I'm, I'm impugned, okay? Um, the last statistic. 18% of professed born-again adults gave no money to the church at all. Will a man rob God? Of course a man will rob God. A man will rob God at every turn. God is the easiest person in your life to rob. Because you're not going to hear about it. The phone's not going to ring. You're not going to hear about it unless you're in God's Word. The phone's not going to ring. You're not going to get a notice. You know... I'll stop. I'll stop. But I like what Alcorn says. We need to learn to share our, our giving stories. And I want to qualify that. We know we're not to practice our righteousness before men. We know we're not to desire to be noticed by, by men. But uh, we're not to let our left hand know what our right hand is doing when we, when we give alms and we're to give alms in secret. Yes, that's the normal course of giving, but sometimes it's right to share our giving testimonies. It's, it's right that we would do that to encourage one another. The Bible says this, Hebrews 10.24, Consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Of course, you know Matthew 5.16, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. So there is a right way and a right spirit in which to share our giving stories. And I want to encourage you, among the body, encourage one another. Encourage one another. Encourage one another in this way. David encouraged his followers in 1 Chronicles 29, 1-9. David and the rulers of Israel told their giving stories regarding the building of Solomon's temple and the people rejoiced and we're encouraged. We need to learn to share and model what it means to love God with our money. And I like the phrase, I think I stole this from Alcorn, I'm not sure, giving, to be a giving warrior. You know, I use George Mueller a lot. We have his autobiography. I love this man. Um, he was a giving warrior. Over his lifetime, in all of his ministries, he received 93,000 pounds. He gave away 81,000 pounds. Do the math. Some of you really smart people have already figured it out. He gave away 80% of his income over his lifetime. 87%. <laughs> now, you know, Jay Jim, there's no way I can give 87%. Hey, I'm not telling you you have to give 87%. I'm telling you, here's a man, here's a man who really understood... Malachi chapter 3. And the more he gave, the more God poured out on this man. You know this man supported... Well, God used this man to support 10,000 orphans during his lifetime. And the more Mueller gave, the more Mueller gave, the more God poured through his life. This is how it's supposed to work, beloved. This is how it's supposed to work. And it doesn't really matter what scale it's on. 
doesn't matter if it's you know, on a huge financial scale or even a, a, small, a small scale. Are you, are you blessing with what God has given you? I love this Mueller example. We're supposed to be, you guys know this, I've used this analogy before, you're supposed to be a fire hose. And you know what happens in your garden hose when you get a kink in your garden hose, right? And, and the water just, it just doesn't come out anymore. <laughs> it just trickles out. I think a lot of us have a kink in our garden hose, right? And it's many times because we either don't trust God or we don't treasure God. We treasure money and things more than we treasure God. And we really don't trust God. We really don't believe the blessing part. We don't believe that part. We just don't believe it. So we have a kink in our hose and the water's choked off and it's not coming through. You know, Mueller was just a fire hose hooked up to God's hydrant and blessing was flowing through his life. Some of you may have heard of R.G. Le Ternay, obviously a French guy. Don't you love the way the French talk? Man, down there this week, it was awesome. I love these guys. In heaven, I think we'll talk French, maybe. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Um, but this, this guy, he invented earth-moving machines. He gave away 90% of his income. And this is what he said. He said, I shoveled it out and God shoveled it back. But God had a lot bigger shovel. Listen, beloved, I'm going to challenge you. Read the great biographies. John Wesley, Amy Carmichael, Hudson Taylor, many, many others. You'll see how they gave and they gave and they gave and they gave. And why can't a Christian give like this? Because our God is a giver. Our God is an omnipotent giver. And His Word is good. His promise is true. He says, test me. It's a challenge to you. You call yourself a Christian? God is challenging you and me tonight. Test me. Every time I teach on giving, I have to give more money. Right? It's like Alcorn says. He says, it's just stupid. Read your Bible about what God says, about what he, how He'll bless the giver. It's, I know it's inelegant, but He says it's stupid. Not to give more. So every time I teach about money, I have to give more. I just, I guess have to is the wrong word. I want to give more. You know, sometimes I hear people say, well, Jim, I can't afford to give sacrificially. The Bible says you can't afford not to. This is what the Bible says. This is what God says. You cannot afford not to. You say, Jim, I don't know how it's going. Listen, I can relate. I sat under the pecan tree in 83 and I was scared to death I was scared to death, but it's been an awesome ride with the Lord, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. You remember what God told the Old Testament Jews in Haggai 1, 9-11? He says, Consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvested little. You earn wages to put into a purse with holes. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why? Because you neglect my house. Because of, your, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. God says, you are robbing me. He said to His Old Testament people. God says, because of you, the earth is shut up. The earth is withholding its produce because of you. That's what the Lord says. You know Proverbs 11, 24-25. There is one who scatters, yet increases all the more. He, he's sowing, but He increases all the more. And there's one who withholds what is justly due, but the result is want. He hoards up, but he, He's in want. The generous man will be prosperous. 
And he who waters will himself be watered. God says, if you rob me, the result will be want. It w- the result will be want. This is the Word of God. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. God says He will bless those who honor Him in their finances. Luke 6, New Testament, Luke 6, 38. Jesus says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. They will pour into your lap for by your standard of measure it will be measured back to you in return. God says by your own standard of measure I will measure blessing out to you. This is huge, beloved. This is huge. God says it's by your measure. Are you miserly with God? You lose. You lose. Beloved, this is just this is the Word of God. This is what He says. And you know the famous text, the one that I really believe fills out what it means to be a New Testament giver. 2 Corinthians 9, 8-13 God is able to make all grace abound to you that always having uh, sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Now He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality. God says in your liberality, I will multiply your seed and your harvest. It's entirely possible we don't have enough to give because we're not giving. (laughs) You say, what? But if we start to think biblically, it may be that the reason we don't have enough to give is because we are not giving. I learned when I first prepared this sermon uh, some time ago, I learned that Galatians, I learned something new about Galatians 6 7. You know the text. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this will he also reap. I've always known that verse and loved it, but I did not realize it was in the context of giving. What a man sows, he will reap. This is the Word of God. I want to make sure, I always have to make this clarification. You guys, I think if you've been around, you know how I feel. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. That is a false gospel. It mocks and dishonors the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a disgrace. I hate it. God is not a slot machine. We're not just putting a euro in and hoping to hit the worldly jackpot. uh, jackpot. That is a blasphemous thought. And no true believer, no true believer can long believe that. There might be some who get deceived, but no true believer can can long believe that and hold to that. The true believer doesn't give in that spirit. We give because we love Him. That's why we give. That's why. We do it. And oh, guess what? Sometimes giving is, oh, a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice sometimes. It is a sacrifice. We're given the privilege to sacrifice, to to sacrificially give to the Lord. And Paul says we do this cheerfully. Sometimes it is a sacrifice. You say, Jim, well, I've been giving, but you know, I don't see the blessing. The blessing is being stored up for you. And in some measure, you'll receive blessing in this life, but by and large, most of it you'll receive in the next. You know, we're not playing a slot machine here. That's, if, if you've been taught this, it's blasphemous. 
Run from that. I like how Galatians 6 9 says it. And let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. So we happily leave the promised reward of God with God. This is the, one of the first things you learn as a, as a giver, a sacrificial giver. Whether God blesses me materially or not, that's not the point. He may well. There are promises in the Bible. But the bulk of your blessing most likely will be, well, I know it will be, in eternity. But we leave the promised reward to Him. It's in His hands. How much He gives me now, how much He gives me later, it's all in His hands. I don't care about that, really. That's not the core issue. I know it is in much of the church, with much of the false teaching in the modern church, but that is not the core issue. Christian giving involves sacrifice. Randy Alcorn says this, it's much easier to give substantially and to live on 90% of your income or 50% of your income or 10% of your income inside the will of God than it is to live on 100% outside His will. Don't you love that? I think that's a great statement. I think that's a great statement. So I want to spend the last few minutes, I want to turn over to uh, Luke chapter 12 and just make a few brief points from Luke chapter 12. Hope you'll turn over there with me. Um, just a few brief points. Verse 15, uh, someone has asked Jesus to uh, divide the family inheritance and Jesus says, hey man, that's not my job. Verse 15, he says, beware. So you go check the Greek. Beware, Jesus says. It's the strongest warning off the lips of Jesus in the New Testament. Beware. It's not about demons. It's not about adultery. It's not about, you know, it's about money. You know why it's about money? Because God, everything, 15% of everything Jesus said had to do with money. You know why? Because money gets in a human heart. Money gets in the human heart. And people begin to treasure the money or they begin to depend on the money. Listen, you're supposed to treasure God and depend on God. Money is, is a huge problem for the human heart. This is why God speaks to it so frequently. But Jesus says, watch out! He says, get back! This is what He's saying here. And it's about our money. It's not about false doctrine or murder. It's about money. Jesus tells the parable of a certain rich man. I thought I would stop and ask you, who do you think of when you think of a rich man? Who do you think of? Bill Gates is a rich man. The Google boys are rich. Saudi oil sheiks, they're rich. But most of you don't realize, when you look, most of you don't realize when you look in the mirror, you're looking at a rich man. If we, if we go by global standards, uh, if you make more than 10,000 U.S. dollars or 6,500 euros, you make more than 85% of the world. If you make more than 37,000 U.S. dollars or 24,000 euros, you make more than 95% of the world. I know a lot of us in Western Europe and other places, we don't think we're rich. We are. Most of us are. Most of us are. I understand about cost of living. I get that. I understand that. But you know, there are billions who could not begin to dream of making in a year what some of us make in a month. Billions of people. 
billions. I just wanted to give you some global context there. Jesus tells the parable, verse 16, Luke chapter 12, the land of a certain rich man was very productive and he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say uh, to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. This guy made at least two fatal errors. At least two. There may be more. I'm just going to highlight two. One is, do you notice the orgy of personal pronouns? I think I counted 12. Personal pronouns. He thinks this stuff is his. He thinks this grain is his. Whose is it? Someone tell me. It's God's grain. It's not his. He does not own it. And everything you have, you do not own it. It's God's. It's on loan to you. It is God's. And you will give an account to God. You are a steward of everything you have. Everything God pours into your life materially, you are a steward of it. Beloved, I want to challenge you. Understand your stewardship and be a good steward. Be eager to give an accounting to the Lord on the last day. Be eager to give such an accounting. This guy thought it was all of his, all his. Four times in the Bible, God says, the earth is mine and everything in it. It is mine, God says. Beloved, there's just something wrong if we claim to be a Christian and we're not open-handed back to God. I mean, I mean, what has God withheld from us? Someone tell me what God has withheld from us. Not one thing. Not even His Son. <laughs> this guy... This guy's clueless. He thinks it's his. It's not his. It's God. It's all God's. God's abundant and prosperity that He gives to His people, it's never God's provision for me to in indulge myself. It's God's provision for me to meet the needs of the church and to meet the needs of those in the community. I like Randy Alcorn's thought here. He says, prosperity is a blessing, of course. But it is also a spiritual test. Are you passing the spiritual test? As God pours resources into your life, are you, are you pouring it back out? I think he's right. And can you imagine the accounting this guy has to give to God? Can you imagine? Well, I was eating and I was drinking and I was being merry and then I thought I'd build some barns and put all my stuff in there. How do you want, you want to say that to God? Can you imagine it? Can you imagine him standing there and giving this kind of an account to God? Millions will. What did you do with what I gave you? Well, I pretty much spent it all on myself. Mm. This will be the account that millions, billions in the world will give. The second point I want to make is that he's forgotten that he's leaving. <laughs> Verse... Um, Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. He forgot he was leaving. You're not here to stay, beloved. I say it to you all the time. You're not here to stay. You're leaving soon, if we actually believe what God's Word says. We are leaving soon. The analogies that I find in the Word of God, you're a breeze, you're a grass, you're a shadow, you're a breath, you're a phantom, you're a vapor. This is what the Lord says. You're leaving. Are you living like you're, you know, are you living your life and using your resources um, 
because you think you're here to stay, you're not here to stay. You are not here to stay. You are here to go. We understand that as, as a Bible, as Bible believers. A man is a fool who lays up treasure for himself. A man is a fool who robs God. A man is a fool who does not understand. He is only a steward. I want to drop down to verses 32 to 34. Let me just read those real quick. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father's chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves purses which do not wear out on unfailing, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'm going to make three brief points here from this text. God calls the Christian to live, I love this, with no fear. No fear. You can do Malachi 3 and beyond. I believe the New Testament created. We're not simply called. We're not, we're not under law. The tithe is great. The tithe is fine. But the tithe is where the, I believe the New, Christ, New Testament Christian starts. You know, we're free to give as radically as we dare. And I think if we read this text here tonight, if we actually take it to heart, we understand this is really Jesus' invitation. You give as radically as you dare. You know, a lot, the problem with the tithe is a lot of people think they're finished. Listen, you're not finished. <laughs> you're never finished. God gives you the privilege to never be finished. I love that. Just give as big as your faith is. That's really the New Testament injunction. Give as big as your faith is. How big is your faith? How big is your God? <laughs> this is really the New Testament teaching. But don't you love verse uh, 32? He says, hey, there's no fear here. This is our Father. This is our Shepherd. This is our King. He's giving us every good thing. He says He calls us a little flock. The 23rd Psalm kicks in. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He's my Shepherd. I love that. And He gives us all good things. The second thing is, the Christian lives with no junk. Verse 33 this is not a prohibition against private property or a call to poverty. This is simply a call to simplicity that you are able to give. It's a call to simplicity so you can give. That's what it is. That's what, that's what this is about. You know, we're, Christians ultimately are not keepers. We are givers. It's not about what I get to keep. It's about what I can give. And this is a discipline we are learning as we come to Christ and spend time in His Word. Thirdly, there is no loss. Did you notice? You don't lose anything. It's a treasure, an unfailing treasure in heaven. You can never lose it. No one can ever take it. If you go over to Matthew uh, 19, we get a hundredfold return. What percentage is that? One of you scholars, tell me. It's a 10,000% return. Listen, if I promise you a 10,000% return tonight, you guys would all be writing me checks. You'd be writing me big checks. <laughs> I know. But if I, could, if I could promise you that, you'd all be writing me big checks. And you trusted me, you'd be writing me big checks. God says, a hundredfold! Problem is, we don't believe Him. We really don't. We don't. He says, a hundredfold. A hundredfold. Will a man rob God? Of course he will. Of course he will. 
and most do. The cool thing about it with God, obviously, it's up to you. <laughs> you know, He doesn't require you. He doesn't force you to bring an offering. Either you love Him or you don't. Either you want to honor Him in your finances or you don't. Either you know, you're on board with what the Bible says or you're not. So, God has left it up to you. Of course, men will rob God. Sadly, the research, at least in America, tells us that the majority of those who profess to be Christians do rob God. And sadly, back in 1983, I was one of them. I was robbing God. I had been robbing God all my life. I'd been using my wealth for me. My life and my lifestyle was built around what Jim prioritized. It was about Jim. With little thought about God. Or God's church or the work of God in the community. It was all about Jim. And this was a conviction that I came under back in 1983. I didn't know how I could afford it, but I knew I must do it. I couldn't afford it, but I knew I must do it. I wanted to do it. I had an appetite to do it. If you find in yourself, you call yourself a Christian, you have no appetite to give. You have a, Beloved, you need to really get with the Lord and spend some time with Him and get in the Word. You should have an appetite. And this is something, you know, people come to me and these are legitimate questions. Jim, how much should I give? I said, give, I, I said, give more. However much you're giving, give more. I don't know how much you're giving, give more. You know, give as much as you can. You know, give more. Always give more. This is what God says. Why? Because God's promise is good. So I'll just tell you briefly, um, I've been tithing or giving some multiple of the tithe for over 30 years. Um, we blew past the tithe a long time ago, and we've never looked back. And so without theatrics, without any drama, I'm not going to give a bunch of stories or things, but I, I just want you to know that I was a convicted robber of God, repenting of my sin. That's who I was, 1983. And I want to tell you this, I'm still learning how to give. I mean, this is something I revisit about four or five times a year. I'm, Lord, where, am I where I need to be? Should I give more? <laughs> So I want you to understand, this is something that the Christian deals with all of his life. I, I, I pity those who, who they say, well, I give a tithe. I, I, I really feel sorry for them because, listen, first, you're not under law. Secondly, you've just cut yourself off from additional blessing with God. We are New Testament Christians. We are not under law. We are called past the law. So, under that pecan tree in 83, I was just beginning to understand what a fool I had been all my life. And uh, I became a man who believed God and began to cheerfully act on the promises of God. And I want to say, I've never been in want. <laughs> um, I've never been in want. God said to me in 1983, test me. I have been testing him for 30 years. My testimony to you, my giving story to you, God has never failed me. I, I, there were many times I couldn't see my way clear to give at least a tithe or more. 
but we would. And we did. <laughs> My point. It's about you and God. Your money's always about you and God. That's why God talks about it so much. What you do with your money, how you spend it, how you save it, how you invest it, how you give it, it's a commentary on you and God. It's a commentary on what you believe to be true about God. This is why God talks about it so much. So, if you've been robbing God, and I suspect that although we have a small crowd here tonight, I suspect that some of you have been guilty. I've confessed that I was a guilty God robber. And the Word of God changed my life. And I've been blessed. I've been blessed by God. I, I just give you this testimony. So I, I exhort you tonight, if you are here and you understand from God's Word that you have been robbing Him, I exhort you to go on with God in this regard. I exhort you to believe God and love God and worship God by faith with your financial resources. If you haven't taken God up on this challenge, do it. You'll never regret it. Not for, your, not for a billion eternities. God says, test me now in this and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. This is God's Word, beloved. I have to preach about this at least once a year, man, because I don't want, you, I don't want us, any of us to get sloppy and complacent about this. We're not here to stay. We're here to go. Everything you have is His. Be open-handed with it. God says, test me. Don't you love it? God says, test me. <laughs> you know He's going to stand good for His Word. He says, test me. You know He is. Test me. My challenge to you, as an old Christian, most of you are young, as an old Christian, you should test Him. You should. You should. You should test the Lord in this regard. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Father. I know we tend to try to make this hard. It's not hard. We tend to wring our hands about this. We shouldn't. We tend to dismiss it from our mind because we're not sure how it could ever work. But it's not about the numbers adding up. It's about Jehovah Jireh showing up. So Lord, I pray that You'll enlarge our hearts tonight from Your Word. And if any of us are guilty of robbing You, Lord, we repent. Help us to repent. Help us not to treasure that money. Help us not to trust in that money. Lord, that belongs to You. Our treasure and our trust is to be You. So if we've given our affections to money, Lord, convict us. Holy Spirit, convict us if we've gotten lazy in this regard. If we've just simply been negligent, Lord, convict us. We understand we're not here to stay. We understand we are flying through this life. And we understand that we will give an account that we are merely stewards. So Lord, I pray that You would bring the weight of this to bear upon our hearts. And Lord, that we would remember what You said this challenge 
this challenge to your character. Lord, I pray we would act on it. Not in some reluctant way, but, but full of joy and anticipation. Jehovah God has challenged me to test Him. I will. Lord, I pray. I pray that You would shake some of us to our foundation tonight, Lord. That we would see You and love You more than we ever have. And we would understand it's about Jesus, it's not about stuff. It's about Jesus, it's not about bank accounts. Lord, we want to be investors in the kingdom. We want to be bullish on the kingdom. Lord, help us. Give us the faith. Help us, Lord. Reveal Yourself to us in a way that will drive us on in faith, Lord. That we could be giving warriors for the glory of Jesus. And we pray this in His name. Amen. Let's sing, then, then share. No, uh, oh, the okay, well, go ahead. <laughs>